2: This podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. The promo code is HAM, and then the number one, HAM, and the numeral one at MyBookie.ag. It's Ease.com and EaseWellness.com with the promo code HAM. Chris Mullen, absolutely. This is Now, Now Chris spoke with us Thursday. This one is courtesy of CanBR1045 and 680. The Sports Leader. You know, we awesome. saw Steve Kerr talking yesterday. Uh, he was pretty fired up to play on Christmas. I think he said, and I know you talked to – Glenn Robinson, after the game uh, on TV, that was the first that Glenn came up to him before the game and said it was the first time he's ever played on Christmas. How much do you think it meant to those guys?
3: Well, I think it meant a lot. Um, you know, look, this last five years have been incredible. One of the best dynasties we've seen in the history of the NBA. So they've done a lot of winning. And, and due to injuries, it's, it's a really different type of season for all these guys, the coaches, the owners, everybody, the fans. So it's a big adjustment. So anytime you get Put together a nice win like that on Christmas. You know, there's only five games for the whole schedule. Everyone's watching. Uh, It's just really satisfying. I thought Steve Kerr and his staff came up with a great game plan. And uh, as important the play is executed, I thought to perfection defensively, energized them and just had a really good energy in the building. You know, it was a great win because of the history with these teams the last uh, few seasons in the playoffs. But for this group, I think they really needed just just a good energized win, feel good about themselves, and now they're on a three-game winning streak.
4: You know one thing they've really been doing it feels like about the last month is playing really hard, and you know I mean you've been around the nBA for a long long time. I mean if you just play hard, you have a couple decent players, you're gonna win some games and yesterday was they played hard and they making shots and making plays, but just if you if they keep playing at this level of effort i mean could they get to twenty five wins you know i mean i I know they've won three straight games it's probably not going to happen too often with the lineup they're rolling out, but they're definitely not going to be a 10 win team
3: right yeah John, I think I think they've played hard with good effort for most most of the games. You know, there's been a few clunkers here and there from, yeah. from an Angie standpoint. but what i'm impressed with is, is the young guys who you know look in the beginning of the first you know fifteen to 20 games, all of those guys are playing out of, out of their roles, out of position and probably playing too many minutes. but they were playing the right way. They weren't just out there jacking shots up. they were sticking to the game plan. They just weren't ready to win ball games at this level. Um, so the last 10 days or so, they've gotten healthy. Uh, and definitely the last three or four games, Steve's been able to roll out a starting lineup of veterans, guys that, you know, deserve to be on the floor, have been on the floor before. And in turn, it put the young players back into the roles they, they should have been from the start of the season, come off the bench, you know, playing spot minutes. And when the game's on the line, watching the, the NBA pros, watch what it takes to win games. So that's That's been a short sample size because they've been injured, guys. even D'Angelo, uh, Draymond, all these guys have been in that lineup, you know, very consistently. So it's been hard to get some rhythm and flow to their game. And I thought yesterday their defense really energized them. They, you know, they started doubling hard in half court. In turn, that makes you communicate and rotate and have a lot of activity on the defensive end. I thought it carried over to the offensive side. You know, and they they just played a good overall game yesterday. It was fun to watch.
2: What was it about the way they defended him? You mentioned him a little bit, but the whole James Harden, <laughs> the one free throw attempt is is very uncommon um so what were the things they did that impressed you against him
3: yeah guy well the first thing is to keep him off the line the guy's averaging almost 38 a game right so he's leading the league in scoring and he's he's he makes shots he's, his efficiency is way up this year he's shooting like 45 from the field uh, he's up high 30s from the three he's a really good free throw shooter so you know you're not going to take his his field goal makes away but if you, you can take his free throws away and it's he can, attempts about 13 a game to get one is a huge accomplishment because it's easier said than done the guy's a masterful scorer, but he also knows how to draw fouls. Because, if you, you know, he can drive the ball, he can uh, hit runners, he bangs threes. So it's it's easier said than done, but I thought the, the plays did a great job of that alone, not fouling him. And then when they doubled to Harden, when he gave the ball up, the next thing is the rotations have to be in sync. That takes communication, takes some IQ, and, and, and you know, knowing your personnel. So they didn't overreact. If Westbrook, if, if Harden gave the ball to Westbrook, they closed out short to him and almost dared him to shoot the three. He's shooting 25% from the three. In turn, he went for 0 for 8. And, and Westbrook's a very competitive guy. He takes that personal, but it played into the Warriors' hands. So he kept shooting them. And then the other thing, too, is from a game plan standpoint, when you play Houston, there's not a whole lot you need you need to look at. They're going to have Westbrook and Harden handle the ball exclusively. They're going to have two corner three shooters. They're going to be there no matter what happens. They're going to be staying in the corner. And Clint Compella, or one of the bigs, will be – We'll be roaming around the baseline trying to get lobs. Uh, so in turn, I Steve did a good job of taking those players out of their comfort zones. You know, I remember one play, they ran P.J. Tucker off the three. He drove baseline, fell down, and threw a baseline bounce pass through Ben Mclemore's leg. That was making them make the basketball plays and not, you know, leaving him open at the strong corner three to shoot a set shot.
4: Do Do the Houston Rockets have any chance to go deep in the playoffs with Russell Westbrook? Gunning like he's gunning.
3: Well, I don't think it's so much Russell Westbrook. Uh, I just don't think that style can win in the playoffs because you see, yesterday Steve approached that game like a playoff game in my mind because he had a specific game plan to take things away and, and make other players beat. That's what happens in playoff series. So to me, if you're just going to strictly play by analytics, you're actually telling the other team what you're doing each and every time. You know, so it's an easy scout. Um, I don't think they're good enough at other positions. Westbrook and Hart is not the problem; it's everybody else because you can put them in positions that they're not used to or not good at, at uh, playing at. You know, you you make the the spot shooters, uh, ball hands and, and drivers. You know, you try and take Westbrook away and Hart as much as you can, and you make those other guys beat you. And I think you know there's just too many good teams to to play that style consistently in the playoffs.
2: Who do you think? And and maybe the answer's obvious. I mean. You start thinking about just the great players that that you played with and against. But who was the toughest guy for you to guard and not foul?
3: Um, jeez. Well, I, I appreciate that that you're even assuming I play defense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe you felt maybe it wasn't hard if you found nobody.
3: I mean, the guys who commit <laughs> no fouls usually don't defend. Yeah. Um, you know what? I would say this. You know, in, in the '80s and '90s, and, and the way even like when in college when I was taught to play, um, drawing fouls was a big part of, of offense. You know, it was always very important who got to the line more, and also trying to get one of the better players in foul trouble so he'd play a little, a few less minutes. You know, that was a focal point. Um, not anymore because not many guys go in the post as much, so you're drawing fouls with head fakes, maybe maybe drawing fouls at the three point line. Um, But I thought yesterday, you know, everyone's into analytics now. The Rockets took 100 field goals yesterday, right? They shot 51 from three. They made 16, which is a decent number. They were 16 for 51. And the Warriors only made nine, but they went to the free throw line, and they shot about 90%. So, to me, there's still a a, a place in basketball for for good two-point shots. I think getting to the free throw line is really important. And then the three-point line, I love three-point shots, but I love high-quality three-point shots. So to me, how they're being created is probably more important than how many you get up. Um, So I just think the the way Steve Kerr coaches, the way he plays, look, this is a tough season, but I think he's laying the groundwork moving forward, again, trying to see who can play this style of basketball, not just throwing guys out there. So we've seen a lot of good individual uh, development, and I just think now that they're healthy – you'll start to see to win some games because you know the, the, the veterans will be the ones starting the game and ending the game, and the younger players will be in the middle there just filling their roles.
4: I think you're a unique guy to ask this question just because you've been coaching college the last several years. It looks The Warriors are going to have a relatively high pick unless they keep winning at this rate. You've scouted all these freshmen throughout the country or at least seen them live at different showcases. Did you have a favorite one that you wanted to come to your school or just a guy even if you knew you couldn't get that you liked the most?
3: Yeah, i recruit a lot of these kids. It's funny you say that because I've watched like the last three summers. You know, so I've seen a lot of these kids coming through their, you know, summers of their freshman, sophomore years. Um, one thing that's amazing how quickly they develop. So, you know, not that it's a secret, but they're so young. So when you get a young player, he's just not ready. right? So these kids coming in, like Jordan Poole with, with the Warriors, there's no, it's no indictment on him. He's just not ready to, to play at this level yet. He just needs some strength and things like that. Um, you know, the one kid that's really intrigued, I guess physically, as well, is wise because he's so tall and long, he can run. I think he'll develop those other skills, shooting and things like that. Uh, but he runs like a deer. Um, I think there's a place for him not I mean, I don't think he'll turn the franchise around, but if you put him on a decent team, he's gonna be able to, you know, run and dunk and, and play in a dunk and do some good things. But he's not
4: Shaq or Kobe or I mean like Anthony Davis no, or something no. coming out.
3: No, I don't see that at all. Well, um, put it this way: when it, when the it drafts at this time of the draft, if you're not talking about a guy that you know is number one, it's going to be you yeah. know who you like better. I think there's more guards and wings, um, and then I think there'll be some guys that no one knows about now. Um, there's a few players that are freshmen that I don't I didn't think would be ready, but as I'm I'm watching college games now, they they may be the ones to take to develop right because you know now everything's on potential. You know we've seen. The Warriors got passed with 41. They were picking him to to play with, you know, a more veteran team, right? But now that that winds up being a really good pick. Um, yeah, so I think some of these younger kids, there's a kid in Memphis, there's a kid in Florida that I watched, you know, New York kids, two young kids, really gifted athletes. I don't think they're ready, but as I'm watching this draft, they might be moving up, you know, later in the season. But we'll see.
2: Chris Mullen, our guest here on uh, Tolbert Kruger and Brooks, Guy Haberman, John Middlecoff, in on KNBR and KNBR FM, the sports leader. You know, the interesting thing, too, I wonder, like, you mentioned James Wiseman, who played three games and has left school. So he's not, no one's going to watch mm-hmm. him play college ball. Like, I think, I think back to last year, so much of what Zion did was he played college basketball. Everyone got to see him. LaMelo Ball went to Australia, dominated it, college basketball. Uh, Zion, yeah. yeah. Lamelo goes to Australia. He gets hurt at a time when GM's hadn't gone to see him yet. He's out a month. Their season ends like soon. So no one's really sure if anyone's going to get to see him play. And I just right. wonder as as this kind of goes on if we're going to have um if we're going to see more and more and more GM's drafting players that they just don't get to see that much and even though they're not directly drafting high school guys it kind of feels to them like they are.
3: Yeah, so, you know, that's been the change over the last, say, 30 years. You know, you think about, like, around Christmas time, Ralph Sampson came out, right, to light that big Christmas tree at the Chase Center, right? So Ralph was a, I don't know, four-time player of the year in college, and he stayed in college four years. Patrick, you know, all these – Michael stayed three years, Michael Jordan. So by the time they – you know, three years of college, you get 30, you know, say like, 60, 70, 90 games to watch – the GMs don't need anymore. They've got the book on the guy. They got the sky report. They know about his practice habits, all those things. That becomes more important as important as, as the guy, because you can see a guy with talent, right? His his size, his wingspan, all that stuff, you can see. The part that becomes the things that you don't know is a guy's competitive spirit. You know, how he interacts with his teammates. And usually you watch that in the team dynamic. Um, so a guy like Wiseman, I don't think it's going to hurt his, his draft stock because we've seen players like Kyrie and other guys not playing college. They'll get to see his private workouts. Um, when you're talking about when you bunch up wings and guards, we, we, guys with the same talent, what's going to separate hmm. them of those intangibles? And it's, it's hard to tell from a private workout or an interview that's kind of pre-scripted and, and the kids have their answers kind of laid out from by their agents. Um, yeah, so that's why the draft gets tricky, you know. So information is the most important part. And like you said, as, as they be, as they come to us younger with less games under their belt and, and less uh, just game situations that you can watch, it becomes more of a crapshoot.
4: Last week I was bored flipping around the channels, and I ended up on a Georgia SMU game. And I watched the whole second half, and they went to overtime. And that kid, Anthony Edwards, I think is yeah. his name, and they have another mm-hmm. point guard uh, I think there was like a top fifty recruit too, and he hit the game, t- the game tying at the end of regulation to send him in overtime. Then he basically hit the game winning shot, and I noticed Edwards twice went over to him and celebrated like he hit it, putting on my you know, yeah. I know you're a former GM right. putting on the scout hat. I was like, wow, that's type of stuff that stands out. Clearly, he's really talented, but it was like he seems like a pretty good guy. I don't I don't know much about him besides he's got a lot of hype, but he seemed like uh, kind of like Zion last year. It was clear. He got a lot of joy when his teammates hit shots. That's why I think everyone fell in love. He's a freak, but the intangibles were off the
3: charts. That's a good point, John. And So, so like, when, when GMs and scouts go watch games, of course, they're watching the action.
0: You like that guy? They keep it.
3: I do like him. Yes, I do a lot. Yes, I watched him. Um, very talented, like you said. So, And if you're at the game, I'm sure uh, scouts, I was going to say scouts and GMs, they watch timeouts. If the guy's soaked out, how he's walking to the bench, how he interacts with his coach, and as you mentioned, how he interacts with his teammates, all those things are important because you're going to, you know, when you get to the NBA, a lot of these kids are going to go to a losing situation. The higher you get drafted, more than likely you're going to a losing situation. And you, you brought up Zion. We played against Duke for two years when I was back coaching college. Um, and I, I thought the, the most impressive thing about him, again, his athleticism, everybody could see it, right? He was dominant. His quickness his an incredible explosion. But the joy that he played with and the joy that, you know, he gave to his teammates to me was what set him apart. Um, and, and you know, that's what brings teams together. That's what, you know, in the middle of the season or when you're having a tough season, that, that's what can keep a team together or, or tear it apart.
2: But, Chris, isn't this part of what makes the Warriors situation so unique? On one hand, that's really important when you go to a bad situation. But what about when you're a blue-chip prospect who's been in college for a year, you get drafted, and you don't go to a bad situation where everyone's just waiting for you to develop into a twenty and ten guy, you go to the Warriors where they've got their twenty and ten guys. And now you have to kind of fit in when you've always been the star of the show. I, I gotta think that's gonna make for a unique dynamic for whoever the Warriors draft kind of what we're talking about here might really, really matter to them just given all that.
3: Well, I think whoever that player is, right? Whether you know, as of now, you know, who knows what transpires, but as of now, they're they're looking at a top five pick. So whoever that player might be He's going to be blessed to be walking into this franchise because, like you said, usually that top five picks going to go to lose the situation, be counted on to play 30 minutes, and he's going to be the stage and all these things that happen to these young kids, right? This guy's going to be walking into a, a locker room with Hall of Fame players, guys who have championship rings, and can, can be around them, watch their daily habits, and, and come along slowly. And from day one, be taught what it is to be an NBA, not only an NBA player, an NBA superstar. So that that's going to be a blessing for that player. And then for the Warriors, again, they're going to be able to make a you know a relatively quick jump because they're going to have two Hall of Fame, two of the best Hall of Fame players of all time, Stephen Clay coming back with Draymond. Uh, some of these players now that they're that they're developing, you know, uh, slowly and surely. Uh, they can become role players, and their 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 new top five pick can can plug in and play his role, not come in and be a savior, but come in and play to his strengths, work on his weaknesses in, in practice in the offseason, and have a smooth development into the NBA.
4: You know, I don't know if you saw that trailer came out, like a minute trailer on the Jordan doc, the 10-part you know, yeah. series that's coming out on ESPN, and one of my yeah. favorite parts of the yeah. Dream Team doc, I think is when you're describing Larry with the bad back, screaming at Magic, You don't <laughs> got it anymore. You're a pretty unique guy to ask this. You've been his teammate. You obviously played against him. You guys played against each other in college. Uh, was it hard to not, especially once he established his dominance, not to be in, were you ever intimidated by Mike when you were playing against him?
3: Yeah, my, so Michael and, and Patrick and I, we all came out of high school together. So the first time I met those guys was... Um, pretty strong trio. Yeah, McDonald's All American game. So, we you know, not only a long time ago, we just we were coming out of high school. Um, and I remember going, we were in Wichita, Kansas, and we're going to like, you know, kind of a shoot around, but it was early in the morning, and everyone's kind of like, you know, what's going on? We had to get up in the morning. It was kind of, but Michael was out there running around like a deer and dunking. I'm like, this is insane, dude. Like, this guy, how can he do this so early in the morning? And from then on, you know, like you mentioned, through college I played. We played Carolina a few times when I was at St. John's. We played the '84 Olympics together, and that was the first time he really, really stuck out. Because that summer, before we went to LA to play uh, the Olympic Games, we played eight uh, exhibition games against NBA team, uh, NBA select players, and they were getting the best players. It wasn't They they weren't getting the middle of the line guys. Like we played a game in Indiana at, at the uh, Hoosier Dome, which was called at the time. Uh, Magic, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, Ralph Sampson, all the top players played. And at that time already Michael was the best player on the floor. So he he set himself apart early. Um and I always say he had the unique combination. Again, when when we talk about it, obviously an incredible athlete, but he had very he was very fundamentally sound player. I tell I used to tell young guys all the time, when you watch Michael Jordan's highlights, and, and they're breathtaking, no doubt. His dunks and his alley-oops and all, his, all that nasty stuff he did. But how he got to those plays a lot were very fundamental basketball. You'll see him denying the lanes, making a good defensive play. You know, very fundamentally sound player, but just made it look so spectacular because of his incredible gifts, his, his athletic uh, abilities. But I always felt like he was one of the most fundamentally sound players I ever played with, passing, shooting, all, those, all the basic skills with incredible uh, athleticism and competitiveness off the charts.
2: Did did he call fouls in practice?
3: No, nobody did. Yeah. Nobody did. Yeah. You know, when when you're in a gym with guys like that, and not that you're not playing defense so competing, but the ball movement, the body, it's so quick and and, and crisp and, and and flawless that you know, you're basically moving the ball, shooting to take out of bounds. It just it's just a constant flow of Almost like like a beautiful you know concert. It just keeps moving.
4: Could you guys hang in '84 against the older guys?
3: With, with who now?
4: With like when you guys played Magic and Larry and those guys when it was like you, Patrick, oh, we, and the select team. Oh
3: yeah, we we we, we went eight. <laughs> no. Oh my
4: god! You did not lose. Oh no. They-
3: doubt. <laughs> and. It- no, we 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 played. Listen, and I, they might. Who knows? They might be on real, to real tape. You know, they might be somewhere stored. And you know, was that the
4: team that Bobby Knight kicked off Charles Barkley, or didn't select him
3: for the tryouts? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, was so that fat? was that was eighty four. Yeah. So that yeah. So Charles, John Stockton, and Carl Malone were all cut from that team. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Some yeah that was insane. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty. Yeah. That was that was a a wild summit to say the least. um – but memorable, and like I said, it was, it, was a, it was, I'll tell you what, one of the most underrated Olympic uh, teams, I think, you know, just a little biased because I was on it, but the last amateur uh, Olympic team to win a gold medal.
4: Makes sense, why? If you're cutting John Stockton and Carl Malone and Charles, <laughs> you're in pretty good shape.
3: Yeah, but they uh, they got back, they, they came back to the dream team. <laughs> yeah, they, they, did. Got, they, <laughs> got they got did. redemption.
2: <laughs> yeah, they did. Molly, well, it's a pleasure to talk
3: to you. We Thanks, appreciate man. your time. Appreciate it.